chapter, Acts chapter number 26. Uh, This last week, uh, in the last few weeks, we've been able to start a nursing home ministry over at Martin Crest Nursing Home uh, in Weatherford, where our our member, uh, Judy McKinney, is shut in. And uh, this last week, the, one of the directors there uh, at the nursing home asked me if I could do a memorial service uh, for one of the residents who had passed uh, during the week. And I counted a privilege to have an opportunity to preach to people throughout the week. We often will do these things at, uh, thir- on Thursdays at 1 o'clock. Anybody at the church, if you'd like to come out with me, uh, you're welcome to do that. I normally have to leave here by about 12.30. If we take a group of people, we'll make sure we take a big enough vehicle to go out. Um, we set up a sound system out there, and we try to do our best to give them a good, what we would call a church service. We're gathering. You know, I, the reason I go to the nursing homes is, is one day I might have to be there myself. And I sure would love for somebody to bring a service to me if I couldn't make it to church. And uh, if you want to be a blessing, it's more than just the pastor going. If it's a church-wide endeavor and you'd like to come uh, and be a blessing, the only rule of ministry, the first rule of ministry uh, at a nursing home is just come in and smile. Just try to be a blessing. You know, those people are in there not because they want to be. They're there because their body is broken down. And many of them long for days in their life to go back to the point where they could go to church, but their health prognosis is not such to where it's getting to there. And so we can do everything we can to be a blessing to them. And uh, if you'd like to go this week, we're going to try to go on uh, Tuesday at 1 o'clock because um, we'll be here on Thursday uh, eating lunch at that time. And uh, it's important for me to be here when we're having a big meeting the way that we are. So if you'd like to go this week, I believe it'll be on Tuesday. We'll put out an SK Notify uh, for our membership to let you know if Tuesday, in fact, is confirmed by their staff there. All right, Acts chapter number 26 is where we will be this morning. Acts chapter number 26, we're only going to read two verses, and we're going to get into the service today. There are two verses here in Acts chapter number 26 where we'll draw our attention Then we'll give you the title of the sermon, and then we'll open in prayer. I draw your attention to verse number 27 of Acts chapter number 26. Acts 26, verse 27. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And this morning we're going to be considering this subject, the tragedy of almost. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I pray that you'd help me as I preach this morning. I pray, Lord, that we might be able to draw truths from your word. Lord, we need your help this morning, and I do pray that if there's anyone here today who is like King Agrippa, who is on the edge, who's on the outside, who's on the outside looking in for salvation, that today might be the day where they're not almost, but altogether a believer of you. Lord, I pray that you'd work in these services. Lord, there's nothing I can do to save a soul. But Lord, if you work in someone's heart, we know that you do an eternal work. And we pray for that to take place this morning. I pray, Lord, that you'd work in the heart of those who have not believed And Lord, I pray that you'd work in the hearts of those of us who have believed the same. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This passage of Scripture is covering one of the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. Back in Acts chapter number 25, we read what incidents took place in order that he might even have this opportunity to deliver the gospel. Paul is here going from court to court, from prison to prison, all because he had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, because he believed in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is essential for anyone to be saved. 
you cannot be saved, you cannot have a home in heaven when you die, unless you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ through what he did on Calvary to save you. In Acts chapter number 25, we read how Paul Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. He, he's going through a time of difficulty in his life. One of our missionaries is here today. Uh, Brother Bruce is out preaching somewhere else, and so is Brother David. But sometimes these men are on foreign soil, and they run into trouble. They run into times where they go through moments of difficulty. I want to say this, that no difficulty overwhelms or overtakes a child of God that didn't cross the desk of the Lord. No difficulty comes across you as a, as a child of God that God didn't already know about. God uses even afflictions and difficulties to work His glory. And that's what took place in this passage of Scripture. Paul is eventually brought in Acts chapter number 26 to, to King Agrippa who is an interesting man in history. There are some extra-biblical books which you can study which tell you about who Agrippa was and who he was with. In the passage that preceded, it talks about him appearing with Bernice. In verse number 23 of chapter 25, it says, And on the morrow when Agrippa was come, and Bernice with great pomp, and was entered into the place of hearing with the, uh, with the chief captains and principal men of the city at Festus' commandment, Paul was brought forth. So we have this scene that is brought before you. Agrippa wanted to hear from Paul himself. This lady, Bernice, is his sister. A, a, a pastor wrote this about this from uh, yesteryear. Look at Agrippa again. Fixed your attention fully upon him. For with some of you is a photograph of yourselves. The arguments which Paul drew from Scripture and his own personal experience were very cogent. Agrippa was not altogether persuaded. And what was the reason that Agrippa was not persuaded? As I look around, I notice on the right hand of Agrippa a very excellent reason why he is not convinced for there is Bernice, there she sits, of whom there were some very unsavory stories afloat in Josephus' day. She was Agrippa's sister and is accused of having lived an incestuous relationship with him. If so, with such a woman at his right hand, I marvel not that Paul's arguments did not fully persuade him. You see, history talks to us about who Agrippa was and who Bernice was. It was an ungodly union that they had together. And here they listened to the Apostle Paul preach. You might remember that John the Baptist was beheaded because he preached against what took place with Herod and Herodias. They did not like his preaching. He said, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife and when she was offered half the kingdom after dancing in front of the king, they said the only thing they wanted, they could have asked for great riches. He said, I'm offering you half the kingdom. And she said, this is the one thing I want. I want the head of that Baptist preacher on a platter. I want him to be beheaded. You know, there's a cost to preaching against sin. There's no, no, it's no wonder why he wouldn't receive the message of Paul. One of the reasons he might not receive the message of Paul was because of the woman that sat next to him and the relationship that they were in. The other one could have been this Festus, who was the one who had arranged for this to take place. Later on in chapter number 26, after Paul had preached this message about his conversion and salvation experience, Notice what Festus said about Paul in verse 24. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. The word mad here does not mean mad as I'm angry. The word mad means much learning hath made you crazy. These were not words where he was flattering Paul. This was actually a mocking of him. 
Imagine you standing in the crowd and watching the Apostle Paul stand before King Agrippa and Bernice and Festus, who was a governor at the time, speaking for himself, talking to them about his testimony, how he got saved by Jesus, how the Lord had met him on the road to Damascus, and he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And Festus interrupting him and saying, you're beside yourself. All this learning makes you crazy. And Paul responded by saying, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the, the words of truth and soberness. And so he responded in a way which was even kind and respectful to him. You know, our preaching should not be disrespectful to other people, but it should build up the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to mention a few things about Acts chapter number 26 before we get into the tragedy of almost. Everywhere you see Paul going on his missionary journeys, there's one thing he did. Verse number 3 of chapter number 26 He's talking to Agrippa. He's telling him how thankful he was to be able to speak for himself. And in verse 3, he says, especially, 26 and 3, especially because I know thee to be an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. In verse number 4, he talks about how he was born and raised. We would call this testimony time. He's about to give his testimony to this man. You know, one of the most powerful things that you can give to anybody when you're trying to witness to them, encourage them to come to church, is how God saved you. How did God save you? You know, far too long goes from some Christians where they won't use their mouth and their tongues to tell people how they became born again. I think for every parent that sits under the sound of my voice today, your children ought to know when you got saved. Your children ought to know when you got saved. Your children ought to know how you got saved. Your children ought to know how you fell under the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God and how you called out on Jesus Christ for salvation. You know, your children should have no doubt if you were to pass out and pass out, off into the next life that you were saved, that you had called on the name of the Lord as a preacher who speaks over people after they have died. It is a blessing to be able to stand there and say that this person had a strong testimony of salvation. They told me about it. They told other people about it. They lived out their testimony. And may God give you the ability to give your testimony. Some cannot give their testimony because they do not know when they got saved. And I pray that today is the day that you do receive Christ as your Savior. For when your children grow up, you'd be able to tell them of a day in the middle of October in 2023 where the Lord began to work on your heart and you knew that you were lost, but that Jesus had died for you, had been buried and rose again for you, and you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, that there'd be somebody here today. Oh, that there would be Christians praying for that today. Oh, that there would be some of God's people who would pour out their soul to the Lord, that the Lord would save a soul in the Lord's church. It's a beautiful thing when someone gets saved. He talked about his manner of life from his youth, where he grew up in verse number 4. He told them where he lived and how he lived and told them that he had lived as a, as a person who was a Pharisee, who was a separated one. Pharisees were, in many ways, the enemies of Christ. It was the Pharisees' form of religion which carried out after Christ was preached upon. Those who rejected the Lord Jesus Christ continued to carry out the Pharisees' religion. And in many ways, the Jews that are here today are still practicing a form of Phariseeism because they have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. The same way an American would be saved or someone from New Zealand would be saved or a Mexican would be saved or an Australian would be saved is the same way the Jews would be saved, and that is by believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But by and large, he came into his own, and his own received him not. The Bible, taught, the Bible speaks here of Paul and his manner when the Lord saved him. He says, I verily thought with myself, in verse 9, I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He talked about what he did. By the way, this is some of the things that Paul said I had to forget about. 
Some of you who are believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to stop beating yourself up about failures of the past. You need to forget that which is behind, and you need to press forward to those things that are before. By the way, that's good marital advice as as well. You're not going to get anywhere in your marriage when you're recalling all the things that your spouse did wrong or that your other spouse did wrong. If you are recalling things, you failed, you failed, you failed, you failed. Where are you going to get when you start having ideas like that? The Bible says that charity or love covers a multitude of sins. My wife and I were sitting down to a fine meal and my life was flashing before me this week just thinking of how blessed I was. I want to tell you this, my wife didn't stay with me and is not with me today because I was a perfect man. My wife is with me because she chose to marry me. Now you may not need to say amen to that. But that's, that's good for me. She chose to be with me. I'm thankful for that. And you know, I'm not still married to my wife because she did everything perfect. Now, I'll tell you this. She's the more saintly one in our relationship at times. You know, every time the kids do something wrong, I said, look at what your kids are doing. It's not my fault. No, uh, uh, I'm thankful for what God has done for me. I want to tell you something. I love my wife in spite of any shortcomings or failures. I don't love her only because she does everything the way I want. And she don't love me because I do everything the way she wants. You know what covers those things? It's called love. Love covers our shortcomings. Charity covers a multitude of sins. You say, why would you say that? Because Paul talks about, this is a part of his testimony. Now, he didn't live here, but you know that he was holding the coats of those who were stoning Stephen. That didn't make him feel very good when he got later on in life. But he said, I forget those things that are behind, and I press forward to those things that are before. But as for now, he's given his testimony to King Agrippa. He said that he was shutting people up in prison, and he punished people that were going to churches and compelled people to blaspheme. That, w- that means he was torturing people, trying to get them to say that they didn't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he talks to, to them. Uh, he talks to King Agrippa about the, the, the Acts chapter 9 experience where he was knocked down by a blinding light, and the Lord began to speak to him about who he was and how he... Now, listen, G- Paul wasn't uh, physically touching the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter number 7, where Stephen was stoned, the Lord Jesus was already in heaven. By the time Acts chapter 9 comes around, he's on his way to Damascus to punish Christians. And Jesus said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest, which tells you this. Jesus views attacks against his church as attacks against himself. And he changed Paul's direction on this day. Paul began to tell King Agrippa how the Lord spoke to him. The day that the Lord touched him, the day the Lord forgave him, the day the Lord started showing him who he was. In verse number 14, he talks about hearing a voice. I want to tell you something. You don't hear an audible voice when you get saved. It's not an audible thing. It's not a mystery. It's not a, it's not a spooky thing. No. It's a still small voice from within as someone preaches or somebody has talked to you about the Lord. And God begins to work in your heart. He begins to draw you to himself and saying, what the preacher is saying is true and you need to be saved. If you feel that this morning and you feel a burning in your heart and a drawing, that's the Lord working inside your heart, drawing you to a place of salvation. In verse 14, he remembered how the Lord said at the end of the verse, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. This is talking about the goading or the, the, the prodding of the Lord for someone to get saved. I have every belief in my heart that when Saul heard that beautiful exegesis of Jewish history from Stephen, a man full of the Holy Ghost, that God began to lower the boom upon him. God began to work in his heart saying those things that that man were saying was true. You know, Paul was someone who was punishing people. He was angry with them, and he was putting them in jail. This isn't what God's people are supposed to do. You know what Stephen did? Stephen preached about the Lord, and even though men were stoning him, 
he was able to look up to heaven where he said, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Lord, don't lay this sin to their charge. I think those words were very convicting to Paul. It'd be pretty convicting to see somebody respond like that. Because when the Pharisees were persecuted, they didn't respond in the same, in the same fashion. But God then, he, he told them what the Lord told them to do. And then he, he began to, to, to tell Paul that he was going to be sent to the Gentiles. In verse number 17, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. In verse 18, the purpose of Paul's ministry and preaching was to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance amongst them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Now listen, Paul just gave a wonderful testimony and telling King Agrippa, this is what God called me to do, to open people's eyes, to preach about the truth, to, to call people to repentance, to turn from the power of Satan, to turn to the Lord. In verse 19 he said, I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision. Now I want to say this to you today, friend, before we go on to the tragedy of the almost. God does not need to work in visions with you today. Some people who claim I had a vision, the devil can give people visions, and the devil can give you a great experience. The Bible says when that which is perfect is come, that's the scripture, then that which is in part shall be done away. The sign gifts, the gifts of healing, the gifts of speaking in tongues were necessary at the beginning of the church because God was authenticating his work primarily to the Jews. The Jews required a sign. When they asked Jesus to give them a sign, he said, A wicked and adulterous nation desireth a sign, but no sign's going to be given except for the one that was given by the prophet Jonah, that as he was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, and if Jesus said it was a whale, it was a whale. You say, well, I don't believe in that because whales are mammals and they have very small throats. They can't swallow anything of large significance. I'm sure you've heard of that story where the kid came out of Sunday school and he heard that from his atheist teacher. And she said, she said, now children, whales are mammals. They can't swallow a grown man. And he said, but Jonah got swallowed by a whale. Well, now children, let's go through this again. Whales are mammals and they have very small throats. They can't swallow anything of large significance. And the boy said, well, when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah. And the atheist teacher said, well, what happens if he goes to hell? And he said, well, then you can ask him. <laughs> I want to say this about the whale that swallowed Jonah. The Bible said God prepared the fish. If God could make a donkey speak, he could prepare a whale to swallow a backslidden preacher. And I believe that happened. And by the way, if Jesus authenticated it by saying it, you can trust that, it was, that, that it's exactly what took place. In the book of Timothy, it talks about those who would deny even the words of the Lord Jesus. You know all these atheists today, the things they fight against the, mo the most? The worldwide flood of Noah's day? You know Jesus talked about the flood of Noah's day? Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. He talked about the sign that was given to a wicked and adulterous nation when he talked about Jonah. He authenticated that that situation took place. Never doubt God's word. That is satanic. This book is true. This book is perfect. This book is preserved for you. What I'm saying is God doesn't have to send you a vision today. And it's not a license plate that's going to speak to you or a billboard sign. God's, let God's word speak for him. This is how God reveals himself to you. And you're never going to hear me saying, I've got a new word of revelation. Some of these, some of these Kenneth Copeland types, these Benny Hinn types, these people who try to say, God gave me another word. They're saying, what I'm about to say is equal in, in power to the word of God. The Bible says, preach the word. Don't preach what Benny gave you or Kenneth gave you. You preach the word. Bible preaching gets the job done. Now, lest you think I'm angry... I'm not angry. I'm just wanting to tell you the truth this morning. This was a wonderful sermon that Paul preached. He said that he wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision. 
But in verse 20, but showed first unto them at Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Bible believers are not afraid of the word repentance. There's a bunch of groups of people out there today who are fighting against this word. It's a Bible word. Just stick with the Bible. You know, there's no, you know, repentance is basically explained in this, that they should repent and turn to God. Repentance is a turning to God. It means I'm, I'm headed one way and I repent. I turn to God. I turn from idols. I turn from false religion. That is still necessary for salvation. Getting saved is not adding Jesus like a coat to your closet with all your other false gods. Getting saved is taking all the other coats out of the closet and only Jesus goes in there. He he basically goes on to say, and notice he preaches the gospel in verse 23, that Christ should suffer. The Bible says that he died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. It was when he preached the gospel that Festus cut him off and said, you're mad from all this learning. And he said, no, I'm not. Now we get into the statement of King Agrippa in closing today. In verse number 26, he goes on to continue to respond to Festus. He says, for the king, speaking of Agrippa, knoweth of these things, before whom I also speak freely, for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus wasn't done in a corner, and it wasn't done secret. It was done very openly. It was done so all the world could see. They couldn't hold my Savior in that grave. Death couldn't hold him. The the stone couldn't hold him. That stone was rolled away, and Jesus was already up out of there. And I'm thankful for the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's how I was saved, because I believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ that he died for me, for my sins, according to the Scripture. Now in verse 27, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? Paul directly asks him, do you, now what is the prophets referring to? It's talking about the Old Testament. He said, Agrippa, do you believe the Bible? Notice what Paul said, I know that thou believest. And I want to say this, just because you believe in God does not make you saved. The Bible says the devils believe. The devils know that there's a God. Jesus came into the country of the Gadarenes, and that guy that was filled with legion, what did they say to Jesus? What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? They knew who Jesus was. That doesn't mean they're saved. Thou believest in God, thou doest well. The devils believe and tremble. Believing in God is not sufficient for salvation. Believing that the Bible is true is not sufficient for salvation. He said, I know you believe. But then Agrippa responds to him and says, Almost thou persuaded me to be a Christian. He said, I was almost there. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And we can, sit, can consider about why he was almost persuaded. Perhaps it was Bernice. Perhaps it was Festus. Perhaps it was his sin. But there is a tragedy to this. There was a three-word comment mentioned by Jesus during his life, and we won't take message to, uh, time to preach that message, but he told his disciples, he said, remember Lot's wife. They were leaving Sodom and Gomorrah, which were cities that were known for their homosexuality. God was going to, to destroy those cities because of their wickedness before him. Their wickedness had come up before him. And God sent some angels down there to get Lot and his family out. And the angels told Lot and his family, when we leave here, don't look back. And the story is told how that Lot and his family were almost to the city of refuge, a place called Zoar. They were right on the threshold of Zoar and Lot's wife, no doubt because her heart was back there in Sodom. She turned around and God turned her into a pillar of salt. One of the tragedies of Lot's wife is this. She was this close to the city of refuge, but she never got in. 
There was a story about a woman who was trapped in a violent snowstorm and she had traveled and traveled and traveled and traveled and she gave up hope just literally feet away from the place of refuge where she would have survived. She traveled many miles and she gave up hope and she ended up freezing to death on one of those mountains. She was very close to shelter. There was a man who talked to Jesus Christ during his day here and and he, he was questioning the Lord about the issues of salvation and Jesus told him these words, these, these, you'll never forget these words when Jesus says to you, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're close. But when it comes to salvation, close does not count. Just because you were under conviction or you had saved parents doesn't mean that you're in the faith. Just because you've chosen to come to church today doesn't mean that you're in the faith, that you've received the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know when you were born again, that you received Christ as your Savior, I implore you to today, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was tragic because how close Agrippa was to salvation. He had the preaching going on, he was told about the gospel, and he said, I'm almost there. It was tragic because the truth was available. Years ago, I was traveling to the White House with a pastor friend, and I was telling him how I was treating my diabetes. And I I was using the help of a doctor. A doctor said, your sugar's bad. You need to start taking this white pill called metformin. And some people don't have side effects to it, but I have side effects. All I could tell you was my stomach was rumbling every morning. It was, I, I had big time belly problems when I was taking that, but I thought it was just me getting old. And he said, why don't you ask your doctor to give you insulin because your body acts more normal to insulin. You know what happened? I came back home and I got off that metformin and I put, started putting uh, insulin in my body and, and all of my issues that I was having from taking that metformin went away. And I, I recognized something. Somebody gave me some truth and it mattered to my health. It made a difference in my life. It's tragic because the truth was available. You know, imagine somebody going to a doctor who has the cure for a disease, but the doctor doesn't give the cure. I want to tell you, all of us have a problem, and the problem is sin. And there's an answer to that. His name is Jesus Christ. All of you have the same problem as I did. I'm a sinner. And if you've not come to the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to tell you this. The truth is available. Just as it was to King Agrippa, the truth is available today. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ is still being preached today to Jews, to Gentiles, and all over the world. That's the whole purpose for our missions conference this week. We believe in the preaching of the gospel. The truth was available. It was tragic because the payment was made you realize that every sin that Agrippa committed, including most likely the incestuous relationship that he had with his sister, you realize that God, Jesus paid for that? Jesus paid it all. You say, you mean that Jesus died for heinous sins? You better believe it. He died for murders. He died for people that have issues with lust. He died for drunkenness. He died for all the sins that have ever been committed by by wicked mankind. He died for for every sin. The Bible says that God, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus died for the sins of the world. The Bible says that Jesus was a ransom for all. You realize that sometimes mankind goes to the Lord with religion and they say they try to appease themselves. It's almost like Adam and Eve when they recognized they were naked. And yes, I'm trying to get off probation. That's why I, I said naked, not naked. It's naked down here in Texas, right? I'm trying, I'm trying. Pretty soon I'll have to come in with a pair of cowboy boots. Be accepted down here. No, when Adam and Eve recognized that they were naked... They sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves because they felt shame. The Bible says that God took coats of skins, that he shed the blood of an animal and he covered them properly. Man's attempts to cover their sin by religion are insufficient. They don't work. You, You know, if you came to church today to appease your guilty conscience, I'm here to tell you, coming to church doesn't save you. Putting money in the plate doesn't save you. Coming to the missions conference for every service won't save you. 
Faithfully tithing won't save you. Faithfully attending church won't save you. Turning over a new leaf, stopping your cussing and your swearing and the things that you do when nobody else can see you, none of that stuff will save you. Jesus Christ can save you. Only Christ. It was tragic because the full payment was made. Imagine, and this is not even something that we imagine. We know that based upon the scripture, Jesus had to die for our sins. His blood was shed so that sinners would believe on him and then that blood would be applied to their account. Let me ask you this, for those that wouldn't believe, for those that won't be born again, how does the blood of Christ affect them? Where did they leave the blood of Christ? Right at the foot of Calvary. No one will die and go to hell as a result of God not being willing or Jesus not having shed enough blood to where they could be saved. If you die and don't get saved, and you, you, you die, and this is the Bible speaks of this very plainly, that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. The Bible speaks of heaven. The Bible speaks of hell. If you die and go to hell, it won't be because God didn't choose you to be saved. It won't be because Jesus didn't shed enough blood for you to be saved. It will only be because you've rejected the only payment for your sins, and that was Jesus Christ. You say, well, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not sure about this today. I'm not trying to push you into salvation. I want you to be fully convinced that Jesus is the only way for salvation. Because the Bible says he is the only way to salvation. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Salvation is available to all sinners. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. It's it's available to religious people. It's available to all people. It's a whosoever gospel, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever means anyone without exception can be saved, but not me. Some people have a very high opinion of how much they've sinned. It may be true that you've sinned a whole lot. It may be that you, like Paul, think of yourself as the chief of sinners. But I guarantee you there's plenty of people who've come before us who've sinned a lot more and a lot greater than you, and God was willing to forgive them. God saves sinners. He's willing to save. And that's the tragedy of almost. That payment was made full and free. Jesus said, it is finished. You know, it's without money and without price. You can't buy your way to salvation. You can't work your way to salvation, but you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. It's available to all. Finally, it's tragic because payment fully available was not applied to your account. Let me ask you this. When did your sins get forgiven? Have they? If I I ask you, if you died right now or if you die before the day is over, would you have full assurance that you're going to heaven when you die? Some people would say, I hope so. I hope, I hope so. If you're one of these hope so's, I want to tell you the Bible says you can know so. And the fact that many say, I hope so, shows that they have a, a, a worldview of salvation that I hope I've done enough good. You don't do enough good to go to heaven. He did enough good so that you can go to heaven. You know that? Jesus Christ did everything he was supposed to. Faith in him will get you to heaven, not your good works. The Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. We don't get saved by good works. We get saved unto good works. And many times a changed lifestyle gives evidence that something happened inside of you. But you're not doing good works in order that you might go to heaven. You're doing good works because you're on your way there. You understand? Salvation is full and free. But if you don't get saved, even if you're a church member, we'll close with this. It's just a little bit after 12. I've told you this story before how a deacon in our church for many years, a man that everybody in the church thought was saved. We had a church that was shaped a little different. We got three sections of pews here. At my home church, there was a middle aisle and two aisles on the side. And old brother Billy, when you walked into the church house, he always sat about three or four rows up right at the edge. And Billy Johnson was an air conditioning man at our home church. He was an upright man. Never heard the guy utter a curse word. 
faithful to church to all the services and the pastor got preaching on salvation he was just preaching it full and free just how Jesus would save a soul and brother Billy came running down the aisle I heard some we weren't allowed to run in church boom 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 boom. I I started hearing somebody running down the aisle and he came down he, he turned that corner and got toward the preacher who was standing in front of the Lord's Supper table and he cried out I'm lost The music was playing. There were people crying. You know what? Billy got pretty honest with himself. He said, doesn't matter that I'm a deacon if I'm not saved. He put his salvation on a higher plane than his reputation in that church. And there could be somebody here today and you've been going to church all your life and you've never been born again. You've never been saved by God's grace. And God's trying to tell you, you need to get saved before it's eternally too late. Don't you die and go out into eternity from a Baptist church pew without having believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What a tragedy. A tragedy that you've heard the Word of God. A tragedy that the Lord has made an appeal to you. A tragedy that you feel something in your soul called conviction and the Lord saying, I'm talking to you. That's not because I'm a good orator or anything like that. that those kind of things happen when God is dealing in the heart of someone. You know what conviction means? It means God loves you. He's drawing you to salvation. If you've never been saved, I want to say today to you, don't, don't, don't die tragically saying, almost he persuaded me. I, w- I hope that all together you come into the faith today by being born again, by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother John had us sing that song today. Look and live, which was a story from the scriptures. How in John chapter number three, as Jesus talked to Nicodemus, he said, as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. We were singing that last verse, and it says, I'll tell you how I came. Hallelujah. It was believing in his name. Hallelujah. I trusted, and he made me whole. If you have never said that, I hope that today's the day you trust that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, we prepare for this verse of invitation. Maybe God has spoken to your heart today by way of salvation, and there could be other people here today and you're going through some unseen in your life, just as Paul was going through issues, being drugged. There could be something major going on in your life and nobody else knows about it. Well, I want to tell you, if the Lord's working in your heart, The altar is open. This is a place where we separate for the praying. It's a place separate. It's a holy place. You know, many people over the years have been in this building, and they said, I'm not going to be lost anymore. And they walked out of the aisle, and they bowed their knee down here at this altar and said, Today, I'm believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be one of the many, if you're lost today, who would walk the aisle and bow down here and say, I want to be saved today. Jesus is willing to save you. Whatever God has spoken to you about, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around, Brother John's going to sing the first verse. If God spoke to you, won't you come? Won't you come? If you need to be saved, if you need to pray, say, oh, pastor, my heart's heavy. Are you coming for salvation? You've never been saved.
when God works in people's hearts and in their lives uh, to bring things to their knowledge, to uh, call things to remember. And preaching gets the job done. Sometimes when preaching's going out, there's a, an overwhelming presence of the Lord uh, where someone recognizes that they're lost, that they need to be saved. And such was the case this morning with Jessica. 
And Jessica, if you'd come on up here with Miss Tina. I promised her I wouldn't embarrass her. She said, I'm not all that much of a social person, so we promised her we won't embarrass her. But uh, she came this morning for salvation. And Jessica, did you call on the Lord for salvation this morning? He gave you peace in your heart. We, I just want to say we, we prayed for this. Just this morning in our prayer meeting, I said, Lord, would you please work on hearts? There could be somebody else here today and you've never been saved. The Lord wants to save you, but he won't do it. He's not going to save you unless you're in agreement with him. You've got to come. And uh, I pray the Lord, he'd work in your life. But I'm thankful for Jessica today, for being saved. And uh, if you're thankful that she's been saved this morning, say amen. 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 You can go ahead and stand over here. We'll talk to them about baptism. And uh, there was another, uh, my Italian friend Donna came. Uh, the only Italian I know is forget about it. And uh, Donna said that she wanted to rededicate her life to the Lord today. And I want to say I'm thankful that God works in people's lives to get right. That they might. She said, I'm a believer. I've been saved long ago. But I'm going to rededicate my life to the Lord this morning. I'm thankful that God's working in the sanctuary. Amen. I'm thankful. And I just want to say I'm thankful for this good crowd on Sunday morning. Um, I'm thankful for God's people. I'm thankful for the Metropolitan Baptist Church. I'm thankful that God's working here. Some churches, their altar calls have dried up. It seems like God keeps bringing. And God keeps working. And there could be somebody else here today. God's working in your life. Don't stop until he brings you to that finishing place. If you're not saved, get, don't be almost. Be all together. And uh, tonight we'll have another service. Uh, tonight at 6 o'clock. And uh, we're preparing for our missions week. And uh, just very thankful for all that uh, the Lord's doing. I'm going to call on Brother Earl Cavanaugh to come with me on the stage here. Brother Earl is our young adults uh, Sunday school teacher. He's a great blessing to our church. And uh, I'm thankful for him and Miss, uh, Miss Cindy. <laughs> She's trying to... <laughs> I do get ma- names mixed up. We got so many Christies and Cindy's and all these other people in the church. But thankful for Brother Earl. And I'm going to call on him to close the service in prayer, please. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here today, Lord, for uh, your word as it was brought forth. Lord, we thank you for Pastor and uh, for his stance on the word of God. And Lord, as we've seen this morning, we see the preaching of the word. He gets the job done. And Lord, we thankful, uh, we're thankful for uh, preaching, Lord, and good preaching from the word of God. We thank you for our new dear sister this morning, Jessica. God, we pray that you might just go with her, be with her, Father. Lord, give her strength, encourage her during the, uh, during the week. God, we just pray that you would just rely fully on you. And God, uh, help us to be a blessing to her, uh, Father, as, as she is, uh, comes to our church. And uh, again, Lord, we uh, just thank you uh, for all that you've done, worked in the service here this morning. God, we pray that as we go uh, further throughout the rest of the day, may you be with us in the evening service. Just watch over that, Lord. I hide our pastor behind the cross. Give him the words we stand in need of, Lord. Help our hearts to be soft, Lord, and help us to be able to receive your word and then uh, be able to share with others, Lord, the things that we know that we have learned and seen, Father. And so, God, again, we pray that you dismiss us with your grace. Watch over us, lead God to breakfast, and bring us back at the next appointed time. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.